Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another awesome show for you planned today, and it, I'm going to go through my whole spiel just because it needs to be said. June is Men's Mental Health Month. So every day this month, we are going to be doing uh, a particular topic. Gino, what's up? Good to see you. I like the new little digs here, man. That's that's fantastic. Brother, listen, when, when surrounded with greatness with you guys, I, I had to had level up, man. I had to level up. <laughs> I was just talking to Steve about that when we when we uh LinkedIn. Um <clears throat> greatness awesome. or not, I mean level up, there's no other way. That's exactly I mean, there right. just is no other way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just keep upgrading. Um so <laughs> as I was saying, uh it is men's mental health month. Every day this month we are gonna be talking about a particular facet of men's mental health. Um, and it is gonna be a so far it's been pretty amazing. We've hit some pretty solid topics and really some meat and potatoes. As Sean likes it's to say. Good. Yeah. Um, for those of you that haven't had any meat and potatoes yet, though, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the notification bell. That way you get reminded every day. Hey, more meat and potatoes. Come get some. And uh, on top of that, making sure if uh, you have any questions or comments, throw them in the comment section. We read them all. We make sure that uh, when they pop up, we throw them in and we go from there. Any questions after that little spiel? I, I think this is a great opportunity since yesterday we started a, a semi-new protocol that mm -hmm. is along the lines of um, the subject that we will talk about today, which I believe is going to be depression. I've had mm -hmm. zero time to uh, consider it, but I think that's what we're covering. And because it's a strong subject, much like every subject this month and most of the time that we're over here at The Collective, there's some heavy subjects that if you're not comfortable with heavy subjects, then uh, be aware that that's what we cover. And uh, I was going to say, based on yesterday, all of us uh, stated that none of us are doctors. But today, we can say <laughs> that actually one of us is a doctor. And one so, of us is a doctor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> any, uh, any preamble there? Gino, you got anything that you got to say? Like, I'm not that kind of doctor or <laughs> you, you took the words out of my mouth. That's a hundred percent. Right. Uh, but I will tell you in this particular wheelhouse, this is something I've spent a, a lot of time. I, I did not realize that was today's focus. So I'm actually quite excited uh, to, to talk about it because there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot we, we know and there's a lot we don't know. Um, so definitely looking forward to taking a deep dive with you guys. It's going to be awesome. I'm pretty stoked. Um, any I guess thoughts or initial percolations on depression before we dive like deep into the topic. Everybody good? Go. All right, let's roll into it then. Um, so depression, this is an interesting topic and I've actually kind of was looking forward to talking about this anyway, because I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder back in 2012. So it's been, been a while and it's been a lot of ups and downs. Sean and I had a, uh, pretty good conversation about it at uh, Pegasus Jump last year. And uh, we've talked about it since in our multiple engagements together and how I've gone through different episodes and so on and so forth. <clears throat> um, so I guess let's go across the table, talk about how your experience with depression, um, what you've talked about before, or perhaps how intimately you know the topic. Let's start with that. Steve? Well, um... You know, I, I don't know that everyone has depression. Um, coming from the military into SWAT, uh, I have found that men want to be valued at something. Uh, I give the example quite often when I talk to clients is you take someone from the military that uh, you could take the special operations realms because they have a higher degree of confidence and capability. And so someone that has the ability to shift the focus of a satellite based on intel going after a target someone that could talk to generals and give briefings. And then they leave the military and they don't prep themselves mentally, not physically, but mentally for that switch. You get into the realm of, hey, John, hand me that cardboard box. And you feel like devalued from where you were to where you're at now. And so what I do is I talk to people about mental shifting. A lot of guys felt stuck into law enforcement. There was no other way. And I, I told them to start working on something that made them happy now and start bridging that gap. That's what I did. So I started contracting 
um, about eight years ago. I was still in SWAT, team leader. Uh, we were pretty busy, but I knew that there was an end to it. So when I left, I felt absolutely content with how I performed my job, how I did my job, where I was at within my job, and I just made a, a, a shift over to, to contracting and doing my motivational business and everything else that I do. I had something to do, basically, is what I'm getting at. And so guys get devalued, but there's there's kind of an all stop if they let it happen and they transition out. And we see a lot of organizations talk about transitioning vets. If you get them busy, and I said this in an earlier podcast, activity action helps a lot because it keeps the mind active. Um, this is just from my take on this. Um, so I, I like the ability to keep someone active and, and moving towards an objective or a goal. And it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to be famous. It's just something that you enjoy. And that alone, keeping preoccupied the mind along with the body, helps with uh, the level of depression that, I've, that I have come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gino? So I, I think a good place <clears throat> from my wheelhouse and my perspective to start is kind of understanding that depression is not a one size fits all right it is it is a heterogeneous type of condition and though there may be some similarities right it affects different people and it's embodied in different ways right so when we really start unpacking what happens right to someone's ability to have things like neuroplasticity things like emotional regulation things like um having a very good sleep wake cycle as well even how how you digest your food these are all things right that have a a profound connection to having depression lower levels of serotonin serotonin and so forth but i think one of the biggest things um that was just mentioned though is is making yourself to making yourself do things that you know you don't want to do but you know you need to do, right? And being able to kind of crawl out of that hole, that is an incredibly important thing. We've, we've talked about this before, guys. I mean, this idea of making the harder choice, right? What are the choices that you don't want to make that you have to make, right? Because you're going to be a better version for it. But what exactly does that mean, right? That means pushing through the barriers that exist. And a lot of times, gosh, man, some days it can feel like just a five pound weight, you know, that's holding you down. And then there's days it feels like a 500 pound silverback that you're going toe to toe with on the mat. And that joker is hard. I mean, it's a hard, hard fight. But I think what really matters in the realm of this, when we're not talking about supplementation with medications and whatnot, it's being able to push yourself at a natural level to understand that, yeah, those demons are real and the issues that are going on as far as a neurohormonal imbalance is concerned are absolutely real. But there are things that I can do every way, every day, right, to push forward small wins, right? And those small wins mean just just do just give me one percent right even if it's a half a percent forward an inch forward um to being able to to maintain a different level a different perspective of an optimistic attitude so you don't get caught up man wallowing in the sadness and the anger and just the hyper analysis that will happen um and the isolation that comes along with it and that's another thing too you you have so many folks who who are are battling this thing you'd never know Other people would look around, they would never guess in a million years, right? But it is one of those silent monsters that that some people have symptomology that is a little more outwardly expressed. And then you have others, it's very well kept kind of under the fold and you don't know. So, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things as we step into it is just understanding the variability, right, of of what the symptomology is, what to do. And and I think the consistent factor there is it goes back to self-mastery, self-knowledge and self-awareness, right? understanding when you're when you're off right and then being able to do something about it right outside of whatever a doctor is going to prescribe you 100 john yeah and you know i don't know if i've ever had depression i don't no one's ever told me that i have maybe i do maybe i don't i don't even know what it means uh generally speaking as a as a word as a term because doc as you just described that was that was some parts of it i believe and that may have been only 10% of the general thematic subject of depression. And so I think it means a little bit of a different thing to everyone, what they think maybe it means and what 
maybe they feel inside of themselves and maybe they're related or not. So I don't know if anyone, unless someone stands in front of me and says, Sean, you've got like uh, hardcore depression or whatever the medical term is. Then I'd look at them and say, okay, well, uh, what does that mean? What, what's next? Cause uh, you can give me any kind of hat with a label on it. And all I want to know is what's next. How do I put on a different hat? And so to take this term depression or the symptomology or the medical um, condition, um, take depression and consider it through the lens of men's mental health month. This is how little I know about depression. And these are just words that I've heard in the past. They may or may not be true, but I've been told that for women, depression is a little more saddening, a little more kind of tearful, a little more um, emotional in the sense of sadness. Whereas for men, it tends to manifest, and these are just common words, manifest into like anger or irritability or aggression or sort of a more uh, forward uh, movement uh, basis, but in the wrong direction. And so maybe women sit back and have a cry and maybe men step out and look for trouble. I don't know because I'm not that familiar with what depression is. But what it does make me think of is wh whatever kind of symptomology, I know guys that will lash out at things for no good reason on the internet or in, in the real world. They're really, really, really aggressive. And I look at them and I think, there's no reason for you to be aggressive because you're actually not capable of being aggressive, but you're really yelling a lot. You're really making a lot of turmoil, though you're incapable of backing up any of that turmoil. And it's at that point that I start looking at a guy thinking he's got a problem, whatever that means. And so I think that there are levels to depression that we should start paying attention to. And for me right now, and maybe I'll have to change this in the future, once I learn a little bit more today. But for me right now, I start getting quote unquote concerned about a dude when he's really angry on the internet. Does that make sense? Big time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, from my perspective, I've been dealing with depression for <clears throat> many years. And the, one of the biggest things you're, you're right, Sean, um, anger, frustration. Um, the only thing I can liken it to, and this is, it's it's an order of magnitude, obviously, in what it actually feels like. Um, the most tired you've ever been. Like, if you think about your Pathfinder course and how absolutely you're exhausted right at the end, right before it stopped. And you were, like, it took an inordinate amount of effort to keep walking kind of deal. Mm. But it feels like that for absolutely everything. So like to think, to make any sort of decisions, to move anywhere, to do anything, there is this, as, uh, <laughs> as Gino put it, there's a silverback gorilla that is laying on top of you, basically. Um, but that does not, that's not to say that you can't do anything. It is a, it just well, it takes... Well, that's true because I've seen you. Yeah, and it takes that much more effort so <clears throat> when you see people reacting with anger and with um uh, frustration and things like that it's usually because they've used up all the energy they had that day in like the first 15 minutes of getting up of just getting dressed and like and now they're just running on empty and so you do you leap from calm to rage because there's just there's nothing to filter that or to bring it to rein that in you just don't have the um the capabilities that makes sense you might not have but the yeah. person in front of you does mm -hmm. and so i'll if you don't mind i'll use you as the example Absolutely. yep so um i think since i've known you you've gone through a couple of uh, depressive episodes i believe for sure one anyway that was a, a a significant one and i recall it would have been a few months ago uh not too long after we kicked off the collective and uh, you you were kind of dragging your arse in in that uh, moment, and and you were not won't not whining or moaning, but you were having your moment, and it was your moment to have, and I just wasn't having any of it. Mm -hmm. I was coaching, coaching you, and making sure that you were on the straight and narrow, like getting out of that funk, because yeah. whether I can get you out of the funk or not, whether 
whether you your next step is so hard that you don't want to take it, that's on you. But what's on me is making sure you take that next step. Mm-hmm. And I've got to find a way for you to take that next step and not feel like you're so resentful of me for taking that step that you won't take another step with me. So I'm not suggesting for a moment that everyone who is struggling with depression needs someone to step up in front of them and hit them with Thor's hammer. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, that there's an opportunity there for you to synchronize or calibrate with the individual in front of you, get the right vibe, and figure out how to get some forward trajectory on it, some forward momentum in order to move that person out of that depression. I'm no doctor, and I don't have anything figured out. But for sure, when Chance uh, was uh, presenting his symptoms, we found a way together to move him out of that moment pretty quickly, I feel. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want to say that it was successful or not or as good or as bad. I'm just saying that in that instance, over that little period of time, from my perspective, I thought you did a fantastic job of moving your way through that. But I don't know. What do you think? It was a, uh, it was a, it was a massive help to have somebody else kind of kick me in the butt. So this is one of the benefits was uh, prior. I mean, I've had since I actually physically met you the first time. Um, on I think it was the Sheepdog Roundtable or one of the previous podcasts was uh, I think I've had about four, maybe five uh, full episodes where I was <clears throat> completely in in the the dumps. What you enabled me to do on this last one was actually you allowed you allowed me to focus my energy a little bit more, mm-hmm. and so I stopped using it to try and hold up a mask of me being at like a nine i'm like ah everything's awesome great into me being like a four and just kind of managing it at a four rather than being at like a point two kind of deal yeah so it helped me quite a bit and um but yeah when it comes to prior to that there was no one else in my head so to come up with those thoughts of like get up you got to do do this or you you require this requ- is required to be done rather than et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of ways I could put it, but <clears throat> I didn't have the additional poke shove in the back. You're right. And, and, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is because it's built off of what Steve was saying. And I feel that whether someone has depression or not, or whatever the word means, whether you've got full tilt depression or a one out of 10 depression, My opinion is this, if you're irritable, angry, and you have uh, excessive aggression, you know what it'll sort that out? A thousand burpees. (laughs) Straight up. Yeah, 100%. I I mean, you want to be angry? Cool. Go get angry at push-ups. And after you've done 407, and if you can get your belly off the ground and and sit up all wobbly-headed and think, man, I'm super angry still. Wrong. No, you ain't. You ain't super angry still because you got to work. And if you work hard enough, it'll scrub that anger right out of your brain until you catch your breath and maybe eat some food and drink some water and think, what the heck do I have to be angry about next? Whatever it is, half an hour from now, cool. Then hit the burpees. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot lot to what you're saying, Sean, and I think for a a specific percentage of folks that are out there, it works, right? And it works very, very well, right? But when we're talking about some other individuals, right, that deal with clinical levels of depression and and don't have the ability or or even have the capacity to be open to the possibility of doing something like that, like put yourself on the wire, man, like let's get physical because you're 110% right. When we start rocking and rolling, right, we get those endorphins released and we have those all those feel good neural hormones being able to balance out that deprivation of serotonin, because like at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, right? We're we're talking about a a, a massive challenge with the production of the neurotransmitter that is serotonin. Serotonin has everything to do with mood regulation, right? And that is tied to neuroplasticity and your ability to understand that it doesn't have to be this way. It can be another way. I just need to go do something to allow it to be another way, right? And so Chance, when you're talking about having Sean there in your corner and giving you that poke, right? There was a small piece of you that had to be open to the poke. 100%. 100%. Right? Not shut it down, right? So that means that there's still a array for possibilities of what could be. 
you have a lot of folks who, you know, call it the, the morbidly obese person that can't get up out of their wheelchair, right? And they're dealing with this sort of an issue. I right? call the person who just lost their, their one-year-old child, right? Who, who just will not have it and is mad and angry and sad with the world. In a very real sense, to get them to go and partake in, in physical activity, very high intensity physical activity, would it help? Absolutely, right? But getting them to move the needle on that, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, and that's where you start to see truly the, the, the need for folks to, to get on medication, not to stay on it perpetually, right? But just to get that initial bump and, and get out there to know that it, it doesn't have to be this way, but you got to be open to receiving, right? That's support and, and that encouragement from folks who are around you to be able to get that serotonin production up again so you can have that homeostatic emotional regulation because, man, at the end of the day, like, and we do, we see so Many, I mean, especially I know in, in with the communities that I work with here locally, there has been a huge increase in the past 20 years with the prevalence of depression, right? And there's a lot of theories behind that. None of them have been proven, but there's a lot of really good theories. And a lot of it has to do with an inundation of information. It's There's just too much information and it's overwhelming and it suppresses the production of serotonin because cortisol levels go up. When cortisol levels go down, <clears throat> serotonin production goes goes down, right? So cortisol up, serotonin down. And so when that happens for a prolonged period of time, it's incredibly problematic, right? And so, but how do you, how do you combat that at a societal level, right? That is where having good habits, having good social circles, having good influences makes such a huge difference. But again, right, going back to this idea that it's heterogeneous, man, it doesn't look the same for everybody. So how do you find someone in your circle that's truly going through it unless they make themselves vulnerable enough to let you know. And that's, that could be a challenge. Absolutely. It, it requires belief. <clears throat> I mean, you, you talked about a person in the wheelchair and mm -hmm. uh, how they, they can't get out of the wheelchair or whatever the case is. I disagree. How did they get in the wheelchair? They weren't born in it. So they had to step into it so they can step out of it. And you know, the moment that you step in and sit into a wheelchair and think I can't take another step, I disagree. You stepped into it take another step out of it. One step is not that hard until you tell yourself the lie that it is hard. And that's our minds. That's our mindset. That is the lie that we tell ourselves that we can't take one more step forward. And anyone who believes that I'll challenge them, I'll help them up out of their wheelchair for sure. Lift them right out and have them stand up and I'll walk behind them and say, okay, maintain your balance. And I'll just poke them a tiny bit in the back and they'll tip forward and take a step. And that's what it takes, momentum. And all I'm doing is applying leverage, energy, we'll call it. And that's our jobs, I believe, is to ensure that the people around us understand that momentum can be created in the smallest of ways by anyone. But it requires the other person to be open-minded enough to believe that they can take mm -hmm. a step forward. I think the key word that what you just said there, Sean, is is confidence. And I agree with you, right? And, and when you break down like the etymology there, confide with faith, right? And so faith in yourself and knowing what it is that you're capable of doing. If you've never been in an environment to push yourself, really push yourself, right? To, to know what your capacities and abilities are, how would you know, right? As far as when life starts throwing all kinds of fodder your way, and it's just an absolute fray. If someone has never pushed themselves to really know and test the metal of, of what's the fabric that composes you, it's it's a very dark place. And I think a lot of people, I, mean, I wish everyone carried that mentality, right? Like it doesn't have to be that way because goodness gracious, we could deal with adversity in a whole different way. You would see a whole different perspective on emotional regulation in general, right? And pushing through uh, and garnering resiliency. But I think we live in a time where anxiety disorders are through the roof, clinical right, depression. Because we've allowed it. Right, but that's the whole thing, right? So we've allowed it, but who's the we? Well, you and me, all four of us. But, except, but go bigger. Go bigger. Ex more ex there. Except about 10 minutes ago when I said, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I think everyone can do it. Take a step forward. It's the lie that anyone's telling themselves out there. It's a single step. They've been doing it all their life. And I understand that there's challenges out there, mental health challenges. I get it. But it's a single step. 
and it is not hard at all. And the reason that I think people struggle with this issue, that, uh, that they find it so difficult to get out of their space, is because we've, to some degree as a society, enabled that. We haven't challenged hard enough. We haven't, we haven't said, no, forget about it. Let me pull you out of that wheelchair. I'm going to teach you how to take a step forward. Now, I know that sounds cruel and unusual, but that's the way I've got to come at this thing is hard in order to make the point that why are we like this right now? Because we've allowed society to be like this right now. I, I think that we've made perhaps too many accommodations, as it were. Now, please don't freak out entire internet because <laughs> I'm, I'm not like some sort of sadist or whatever. I'm, I'm not like a freak. I understand that everyone has got their own personal challenges that I don't understand. Maybe they don't even understand, but I do understand how physics works. And I do understand the human body can always take a step forward. And that's what I'm talking about is not allowing for this, this dwelling on, I can't step forward as a standard because it is not the standard it's the standard that we're allowing to become standardized that's a great point steve you got any thoughts uh, i think these are all good points <clears throat> i think the doc is right it's individual based and when you talk to individuals about what they're going through um you always you always try to find out their why so you can help help them um, or reach out to them and so when i when i talk to people i will always look at their sleep pattern probably on the top two things that I start with because that lack of sleep just antagonizes everything. And so I look at things more simple, right? A static mind will drift an active mind will produce. And so if I leave it like that and I explain it like that, I try to leave everything some based in simplicity because complex, not everybody understands. And so if I can get them, like we talked in the earlier podcast in the gym and my level of or your level of production may not be their level of production so it may look like a quarter of your step but it doesn't matter it still induces movement and what we're trying to do is free that mind and i personally believe that the mind is so powerful and that's why i do mental skills things because the body can and will perform and when we when we discredit i'd say the human ability we will always be proven wrong but it's getting someone to believe that they have that ability to do that or produce something. And I am more in line with kind of what Sean is saying is felt fatigue on the body in a general spectrum, not very uh, micro talking on someone that has depression where it won't work. But generally speaking, if that body is fatigued, you have lost conscious thought of why you were upset or what you couldn't do. And that induces sleep. Right. So I get everybody in the gym at some level to get activity based and I give them a regimen of what they can do to induce that where they start to produce more sleep and thus hopefully getting off of medication. I had one client one time and of course, I'm not a doctor. And I, I told the parent, I'm not a doctor. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't uh, couldn't focus. And my belief in the human ability. I told the parent, I said, Here, here's my two cents, but don't take my advice because I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. He doesn't need medication. His willingness to shut down and say, oh, it's because of this. It's because of what I, sometimes society tells us I have to feel this way. So I'm going to feel this way. Well, we got him into a, a boys camp where he was bucking hay daily. He was acting daily. What do you think happened? He came off all of his medications where he wouldn't eat and he was very picky, he would absorb as much chow as possible because the body called for fuel because mm -hmm. he burned it. To this day, this kid is not on medication. I still keep in contact with him and he's producing, you know? And so one example, but you can't, you can't macro everyone in the same, right? Because like the doctor said, you got to look at the individual. And so, this is just from the realm that I've talked about where I've come from, where I see, where I talk to guys and I've talked to a lot of guys. Um, that's what kind of what I see, but that activity base where the mind is active and not static. hundred percent. Get on task. <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting too, because the, the development into the mindset of the next task 
is part of the challenge. Now, Tanya has, uh, uh, there's some comments here from Tanya that I want to throw up here because they're <clears throat> solid. Um, but the, 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 the ability to get on task is sometimes the entire challenge, right? And sometimes it's the, uh, basically grasping as to what the next task is as well. Cause that is also a very ch big challenge. Cause again, it, when I say, you know, it, you have this gorilla on your back, you have this fog in your brain, you have this, everything is that much harder. So to, to even consider or figure out or try and like, what is the next step? How do I yeah, get, but you don't need to. And I, I, I understand that I'm, yeah. I'm going to get there. Someone, second, but... someone got you there. Yeah. So, so it's not a big deal. No, it's not. It's the, um, it's the breaking down of the thing. And that's what really helped me, especially when you were helping uh, push me through it was breaking down the steps into what I could actually do. So instead of, you know, I need to get to the gym, I need to get my shoes on. Once I had my shoes on, okay, well, I need to go outside now. Okay, I, now I'm outside. Do I have the car keys? Oh, I got the car keys in my pocket. Perfect. Okay, well, the car. You know, and I can break those tasks down instead of it being this giant, oh, I need my gym bag and I need to get to the gym. And, I, and even though that is not a difficult task, it becomes this insurmountable mountain. And so what Why both you guys that? are saying. Let me ask a question. Why is yeah. that? Speaking on your behalf. Yeah, and I and and the same thing's running through my head because it doesn't become a massive mountain. You create the massive mountain. It oh, it yeah. isn't a thing. Correct. It is inanimate. Yeah. You are writing your own code in your own world. And if you're writing crap code, it's a crap world. Yeah. And so if you tell yourself this is all insurmountable before you hit the door, guess what? It is. Mm -hmm. And so if if someone has that mindset and they can't break out of it, then it's someone's responsibility to break them out of that mindset, which is precisely what I did. And and you you state so you get a goal and you execute against that goal, but then you don't know what the next goal is. That's not your job. That's my job hmm. in that moment to make sure that you're on the right trajectory in that moment. And that's why there it's it's we talked about lip service recently. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important for anyone who's in the role of helping someone through a moment like depression or whatever mental health struggle it is it's not a one and done like i didn't hop into your life say hey make sure you put your shoes on uh, before you go out the door and see you later good luck yeah i mean it is a role that you have to play that is more than one day and it was my responsibility to make sure that you didn't have to worry about all of the details you just had to execute and the moment that you have some momentum, then you can let the person kind of move forward under their own cognizance and not worry about the details too much, unless you see them going a bit sideways. And then it's my role to get it back on track again to some degree. So you're, you're not alone at all, as long as the person who's buddy checking you is in the game with you. And the lip service part where it falls apart is someone jumps in, gives you a piece of advice, bounces, and you're not getting that buddy check uh, in a way that's keeping you properly calibrated out of the depression, depressive state. So yeah. one thing adding to this <clears throat> is, is going back to the neurotransmitter side, right? Because I think this is a very real thing. So the, there is a misconception that depression is a choice, right? And the truth of the matter is that there's very real evidence that when there is a deficiency of serotonin, right, the brain cannot function from an adaptation perspective the way that it needs to, right? It cannot garner neuroplasticity to open up all these different ideas of, it doesn't have to be this way. Just the notion, Chance, and you just said, like, it's hard to think when you have that 500-pound gorilla, like, just to think about how do I get out of this, right? It's incredibly taxing, right? And now you've got a buddy check, right? Because of, of the nature of the relationship that's there. And that's a beautiful thing. And I wish <laughs> I wish every patient that is, has gone through this, an individual going through this, has that, right? Has that support system and that social capital. But I like to kind of equate this like jujitsu, right? So like, what is the hardest day? And most people will tell you the hardest part of the jujitsu journey, right, is the first day you step in, right, and you put a gi on and you try your first class, right, because there's so much that you're putting on the line, your sense of ego and pride. 
and, and recognizing, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm open to the possibility of learning and what could be new, right? But at the same time, I am getting this incredible bond with these people that I'm training with and my body, I am releasing all different types of neurohormones, right? All at the same time that I haven't released in a super long time. And so that is why when you start looking at the, the positive um, health effects of jujitsu at, at a mental neurohormonal level, that evidence is very clear. So, man, to, to, to both of y'all's point, as far as the, the physical activity component, absolutely. But I think what's important to understand is to get to that point, right? We have to recognize the fact that there is a biological deficiency that's making it very challenging, not impossible, but is making it very challenging. Yeah, and, yes. and I don't actually think it's that challenging, to be honest, but that's only because I have a good understanding of neuroscience. And so I understand how to manipulate serotonin and dopamine and cortisol after working with athletes for 15 years. I understand how it plays in the sleep cycle. I understand more than the average layman. And so I know how to manipulate Chance Burles as a quote unquote, one of my athletes in order to encourage the neurochemicals that he's missing when he's in a depressive state. And so you're right to raise the point, doc, that depression well, I'll, I'm going to say to some degree is a um, neurological issue or, or a neurobiochemical issue that the individual is facing in that phase of their life. But because they're facing it and because it's a neurochemical issue rather than I just I'm just not going to be depressed today because that's just what I'm, I'm going to wish away my depression. I know that that can't work because I know that it's a neurochemical issue, but we can still manipulate people. I say manipulate, we can still work with people in order to move them towards things that increase that serotonin and so, or decrease that cortisol or have that cortisol timing correct. And so the, someone who is good at what they do should have enough broad ranging knowledge on a lot of subjects before they step in and start trying to spell depression for someone, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Steve, you had a, you had a thought? I was just going to ask you why you break it down in tasks like that, smaller tasks, when it becomes too overwhelming for you. Yeah, I, I, I break it down like that <clears throat> because, well, I found that that's what works. That's the big one. Uh, so, like, I was still in the military when I got uh, diagnosed with depression and I still had, you know, a job to do. I still had tasks. I was still teaching recruits. I was like, considerably busy throughout the day um so i had to start breaking down i basically went into kind of course mode right where you're the next five minutes right <laughs> like i can make it through the next five minutes and if you can't do that i'm going to make it through the next 30 seconds okay I, i'm just you know you figure out a way to basically lessen the difficulty of the task by shrinking the task itself so it's not that I'm, I, I had this great image caught popping in my head while we were talking. And uh, it was like, for anybody that's ever tried to teach their children how to ride a bike, or remember when they were lear first learned how to ride a bike, and you have a hand underneath you kind of guiding you up until the point that that hand isn't there anymore. And then uh, that's how you build yourself out of those things, right? But it starts with I'm going to hold you on the bike, right? That's the very, which is not what you were doing because you were living in the future. You were chunking your life out. You're just trying to get the next 10 minutes done. I, I just got to make it through this next lesson plan that I've got to teach. I've just got to make it through this morning. What, what you've just uh, explained when someone is trying to learn a bike, you're the dad teaching your kid how to ride a bike and you've got your hand on the bike. That's actually called being mindful and living in the present. Yeah. And so that's what you've got to do with yourself. If you're struggling, you got to be present, not worry about, I've just got to keep it together for the next five minutes. And then five so, minutes um, after that, do it now, yeah. right now, real time. Now, just be in the present now. Just, you don't have to worry about five minutes from now. Yep. So Steve? keep going, Chance, because John <laughs> kind of hit on where I'm kind of going with this. Yep. I, I keep going. Yeah. So uh, it then it basically it evolved into um, what Sean said. That's how I've managed to deal with 
um, the depression for this many years is that I start to, I've now been able to recognize as my serotonin levels drop sooner. And once I recognize it sooner, I can start shifting how I'm in the real time, right? Is this particular thing require all of my energy right now? No, I could, I can run through this at like a 20% and I can save some energy for later. And, and so I'm in a very much more mindful of my own, um, feelings in the moment. And that allows me to vary and adjust. And as, uh, Sean was helping me this last particular, uh, session <clears throat> was he was giving me the tasks and I would say, okay, I need to get this done. And I would then break that down into the moment. What do I need to do right now? Is anything required right now in this moment? No, not right now. Okay. Then I can move on to the next one and, da, 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 and work through my day that way. And that is, that was the key for my depression. And you like that all the time. Say again, you task org like that all the time. Uh, I do, but in a much larger sense, I guess, you know, I need to take the kids to school and I need to, blah, 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 blah. but when I'm in a depressive mode, it's like, I need to make sure that the kids are up. Okay. okay. Now I need to make sure that they're fed. And just, I saw everything breaks down into smaller tasks so that I'm not worried about, I can't make this timing and now the kids aren't getting dressed and now this guy's over here and blah, blah, blah. And that's all using up all the energy I had for the whole day rather than being able to spread it out over the whole day. So I, I people exactly go through what you've gone through. They'll, they'll task org, they'll subtask and it gets into task saturation and overthinking that task. Now, this is not talking specifically some of the people I've talked to and kind of like what you've done. And what I do is I get them to realize that they don't do it all the time. And they will tell me that they have to do it all the time. And I will say this one statement to them. When you get out of bed, you either have to go to the bathroom or you don't. It's that simple. You either do it or you do not. Your body's telling you, I got to go relieve, go get relieved, and you're done. When you tell someone that they have the ability to not subtask all the time and that they currently already do it, it opens their mind up like, oh, man. And so overthinking a task or overtask saturation gets the ability where you just, it's just too much. You just can't move sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not everybody. But this is where I talk about the human ability. I get people to understand that their ability to do something is already in order in their life and they already do it. And I'll find it through talking to them that they do it somewhere and then they'll bog themselves down and then they'll think they can't ever do it. Well, they can do it because they do it here. And I just bring them back to that. And I use the bathroom one all the time because everyone does that. Right. You don't think <laughs> about it. You get up and go or you don't. And it's not to say that that's the one big fixer for everything. It's just a way to get them to think out of their little, their box of, I can't move. I need to subtask and overtask myself. And I just, I know I can't move. Does that make sense? <clears throat> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and absolutely task saturation is definitely part of it because that adds to the fog, right? If, if I can only really concentrate on one thing, then what I've learned over time is that I just need to concentrate on that one thing. Whereas previous, that one thing would break down into eight things. And that would be like, <sighs> my brain couldn't handle that because I could only, task oriented on one so that was a always a challenge uh piece of it is like look at this podcast that you organize and put together and you're coming out of these podcasts and talking and asking people i mean you're just flowing this is your ability this is your raw natural ability to do these things all at once and multitask in conjunction with yeah and we don't give ourselves credit for that because we always bypass that and we will always look towards weakness to be the primary in the life of where we're at and I just bring in the positivity first. And I always tell clients, look what you've done. Look where you're at. Look what you can do. Why aren't you looking at them things or those things, right? And so mm -hmm. it, it opens up them. I just try to get the mind to open up to realize what we're doing and what we can do instead of falling down on the weakness piece and going, oh, I'm not good. I have to do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Everybody has some level of issues where they feel they can't do something. Or like the doc said, your first day in jujitsu, you're a little bit rattled a bit. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know anything. And my ego, and I'm going to probably go way too hard. And I'm going to get armbarred really, really quick. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, jujitsu. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found that it got me so good and <laughs> just trying to be bravado and, you know, in my strength, I didn't know technique yet. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, you 100%. have way more abilities of positivity, what you can do versus what you cannot do. But we'll always bring those to light first. I don't know why we do that. That's fantastic. Like Sean, he's a pusher. And like the doc said, that is huge for someone to be there, not intermittently and leave, but be there because you can call Sean anytime. Yep. I guarantee it. And say, hey. I actually talk to him every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's the thing is we, if people that have these depression, uh, levels of depression, that they can have someone that they can reach out. The issue is they need to listen. And so when someone comes to me as a client and they talk to me, I make ownership a big part of why they came to me. Mm-hmm. And so we, where we work on it together. That's fantastic. Uh, Gino, I thought you, you've been listening very, very <laughs> patiently. I could see you got thoughts rattling all over in your head. What do you got? No, man. It, it, so it, it's good. Um, there's a lot here. And, and just because the sheer notion of the variability that exists with different folks who are, experiencing depression for a multitude of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. There is no one right way, right? There's a lot of ways to attack this thing. Um, And for some folks, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is the way to go. For some folks, it's medication. For some folks, if you have the capacity to have strong social capital, right? And you've got really good relationships with folks who are are in the fight with you, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people kind of miss the boat on, right? So like when you take a look at traditional cognitive behavioral therapy, it's one session to two sessions a week, maybe, right? And, and then it's, okay, go figure it out and kind of take what we've talked about and adapt and apply it and embody it into your life. Well, the truth of the matter is that when you do that the right way, like truly, and this is my opinion on it, right? I'm sure there's plenty of clinicians out there that would disagree with me, but you are embarking on a journey that is not a matter of days, weeks, or months. It's a journey of years, right? And it's it's a relationship that requires mutual commitment because just as much as I want to sit here and talk to you and try to get into your brain and get you to make the harder choice on your own and figure it out, it's not my job. Well, my job is to hold this sign up and make sure you read it. Now, what you do with it, that's on you, right? But my ability to push it consistently emphasize it because look, go back to the 1950s, right? Like BF Skinner and operant conditioning. Conditioning patterns matter, right? How are you reconditioning what's going on, right? And if you've already got the support, you've got the ability, whether it's a change in diet, exercise routine, your relationships, whatever the case is, if you have all that in line, right? Truly what, what matters there to keep you away from those massive serotonin drops if you're not on meds is making sure it's being done every single day month after month year after year to really pull yourself out of uh, out of that hole right but for most people it's a difficult thing to be able to have that kind of support system especially in today's day and age we live in a a day and age where pseudo relationships are everywhere right it's a quid pro quo like what's in it for me as opposed to oh man nothing's in it for me you know what i want i want you you know what i want for you I want you to be the best and highest version of yourself that you possibly can. And when I see you cross that finish line, that's all that I need for the fulfillment, knowing that I did my part as a fellow human being to get you there, help get you there, do a small percentage to help get you there. You don't see that, right? So to have those support networks nowadays, not saying it's it's impossible, but I will tell you that the relationship that you two share, like that's special, right? And like, and kudos to you, Sean, for doing that, because not a lot of people out there will have someone's back to do that on a regular basis. And I wish everyone had that. You're muted, but <laughs> yeah, me too. I wish everyone had, uh, had a level of support that makes them feel comfortable moving forward on that trajectory. But I think that the important part is that, that anyone who's listening to this should take away is that even if you don't know how to help someone, just the fact that you're trying to help is helpful. And I didn't know how to help Chance. I, I don't know how to help anyone. I just do my best. And I'll figure it out with the other person as we move forward. And uh, I think that's the important part is I don't need to be anything special. I don't need any shingles hanging on my back wall there that says I'm I'm qualified to speak about whatever. Uh, I'm just trying to do my best. And if the other person finds it helpful, then good. But together, we'll figure it out on a day-by-day basis moving forward. And it'll take as long as it takes, however long that is. 
And if I'm there for the full ride to get them across the finish line, for lack of a better term, or I'm only there for a quarter of the journey, it to me, it's immaterial because I know that that quarter of the journey is an extra 25% that I help that person move further down the trajectory line. And that's where I gain my satisfaction in my my life is, is helping people move further down the trajectory. Uh, because at the end of the day, um, someone like anyone who's listening to this will be able to take away this message that if you're helpful, uh, you can really make a difference in the world. You can impact people that will then go on to impact others. And it's that viral network impact that I'm seeking to make over here in the collective with these kind of conversations. Just everyone understand that every time you help, it's helping not just the person in front of you, but people that you don't even know yet. Yeah, that's a great point. Steve or Gino, you got any thoughts on on that? We've hit quite a bit so far. So I like there are some comments that we could uh, talk about as well, but anything. So one that? thing that um, I think is important, right? Especially if you're going to, if you're going to take on the charge of, of being a helper, right? And, and you've got a friend or a family member or a colleague, right? That is shown some vulnerability, right? And has come to you and like, Hey, this is, this is kind of, what I got going on. These are the demons that I'm, I'm trying to slay. And these are the dragons I have that, that are living right up in my head. I think something that is incredibly important is to understand that. So in the behavioral sciences, there's this concept called the fundamental attribution error, right? And the fundamental attribution error basically says, and we, we all do this, by the way, it is our capacity to think about why is the other person doing what they're doing and actually coming to an assumption and a judgment that we feel is accurate. Right. As to why do they do what they do? Why are they thinking that way? Well, the truth of the matter is that you will never know. Right. When you start combining conscious, subconscious, ego, super ego, so on and so forth, it's almost impossible. Right. So instead of trying to figure out the why, just focus on where they need to go. What, what is the what's the where and the what? Don't necessarily worry about the why. Right. If they want to share it with you out of their own, awesome. But don't spend time there because then that creates kind of an energy pool going back and forth and it gets sticky and it gets muddy. If you can consistently be a lighthouse and show them, no, no, let's keep pushing forward. Let's get whatever that looks like for you. Let's keep pushing forward. And you can be that pat on the back and they're open and willing to accept it. Man, what a privilege. Like, that's awesome. Right. But spending time to figure out the why that that is the, <laughs> you've got some of the greatest minds um, that make me look like a kindergartner that still I mean, it's something we're trying to figure out. Yeah. And, and by the way, they're not trying to figure it out for humanity. They don't even know the answer for themselves. I'd say that most of those resident experts don't even know their own why, never mind humanity's why. So that's kind of irony. Um, So, so doc, is there, are there tips uh, for lack of a better term? Are, are there tools that you would suggest for someone not like me, but someone who's trying to be helpful for another individual, like what you just dropped now was an, a freaking awesome pro tip for sure. Yeah. So you got like a couple more gems up your sleeve. Well, you know, I think going back to the core, man, like and th- this is where it gets super basic in the sense of all of us know this, right? So physical, mental, social, like making sure that you're eating the right stuff. Don't sit there and pump the sugar and pump the alcohol. Like there are very real consequences to neuromonal function when you're eating like crap. Right. Like you want to give yourself a fighting chance. Right. If you are in the, the if you have the capacity to to exercise. Right. Do it. Absolutely. Do it. Right. Um, sleeping like all, all these basic things. What I would tell you is if you're the person who's trying to help or <clears throat> if you're the person that recognizes that something is off. Right. <laughs> you got to be a little careful with bringing it to the forefront because, you know, they may not even recognize it. Right? The person that is going through the battle, they may not even see it because it's their norm. That that is the, the reality that they have created for themselves, and they not be they may not be willing and open, right, to understand that there is a different way, right. But you can have conversation in a roundabout way to start to provoke them to think about it differently if they're open to it. And I think the other part there is for those who are going through it themselves. I mean, look, truly, like, and as cliche as this is, you're not alone. This is a this is truly an issue and a challenge that is a global issue, right? And it has been on the rise. And there are so many what we call hegemony and hegemonic factors that go into warping and shaping why it is that you are seeing such a profuse of growth 
with things like depression and anxiety disorder, right? It's not something that, yes, there's a biological component of it that is very real and is evidence-based. But at the same token, there are plenty of things that you can do to alter your neurophysiology, right, to help you with that. And if it gets to the point where you're there and there's still a deficiency, awesome, there's medications for that. That's what SSRIs are for, right? Um, but understanding you're not alone and you've got to be willing to take that first, give me a baby step. Give me a baby step with someone who is qualified and can point you in the right direction and be there and be committed to help you as you walk. Yeah. And speaking of SSRIs and that entire landscape, uh, whether whatever modality, ketamine or whatever, uh, all of the various modalities out there, it, I think it's a good idea before you start into your journey of trying to heal yourself and then hopscotching from thing to thing to thing as you learn more things and things and things. And 10 years later, you're still learning things and hopscotching around. It's not a bad idea to sit down right at the front end. And I know it's hard to do, but think about what is the entire battlescape in front of me? Or what is the landscape of modalities that I can use as tools? And what, what do I want to try first rather than listening to the first modality that you hear in the wind and jumping into that and then hopscotching from there? That's, that's really, really good, Sean, because I will tell you, even in the field of human behavior research, <laughs> there's, like I said in the very beginning, there's a lot we know and there's a lot we don't know, right? And so doing your due diligence and making sure that whatever modality and methodology that you choose to, to commit to, right, make sure it fits with where you want to go, right, and work backwards, right? And, and you may have to microtask it, right, kind of like Chance, what you said, as far as let me not think about what I want life to look like 12 months from now. Let me think about what I want life to look like next week. Right. And then work backwards from there. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. One of the, um, I guess, best tools that I had um, early on was my wife. <laughs> she, she was the one that would tell me long before I even recognized that I was going into depressive episode that I was off. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes from, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not sometimes there's days that it's like walking off a cliff. Like I will, wake up and I'll be totally fine and it's all good and no big deal and cool and then something maybe doesn't go right or I see something a little off or I get triggered like a little PTSD little trigger something like tweaks my brain a little bit and I will jump off a cliff and like my energy levels will drop to the bottom of the earth anyway uh, but there's also a lot of times more often than not it is a very gradual lowering of energy so it's not really noticeable until you've gone from like 70 to 30 at the beginning when I was first diagnosed with depression that finally was like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I am, I'm down sometimes, but I didn't think anything of it. Whereas now I can recognize this is again, 11 years into this had <laughs> lots of tools and lots of training. Um, but it, it came down to the ability to recognize it early. When I was going into an episode and being able to notice the difference between today and yesterday and what my energy levels were like and what my reaction time was like and what the, it was those small little things that you, I think a lot of us don't actually pay attention to, right? We wake up in the morning like, oh, okay, now I got to, and then you just start immediately. I got to go do this and I got to go that and I got to do these things running through your day versus being able to really check in and go, Okay, how did I feel? How do I feel today versus yesterday? And being able to actually start working off of that. That was a learned skill. And as you guys both said, it's not terms of days or weeks. <laughs> it is it is gonna be a years, years long. Um I can't say issue or battle, but it'll be there was a period of time that it was a struggle. Yeah, because it's not an issue or a battle. Yeah. It's a freaking you're cracking out home runs every time that you engage in the process. I mean, if, if, if you find out today, whoever's listening to this finds out today that they've got some form of depressive state, well, congratulations. Now you get to make your life better because you didn't know yesterday why things were tough. Now, you know, now you can get to work. And, and I know that that might sound callous, get to work, but that's what you got to do is you got to get to work one step at a time moving forward uh, away from the struggle that you have been in that you didn't know about. Now, you know, now you get to, it's, it's almost like that Jocko willing. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Now, you know, get on with improvement. That's actually one of the, one of the biggest things that helped me 
um, was reading Extreme Ownership, and then with the the whole good mentality, that helped immensely. Um, but again, as you said, you know, I was open to it, mm-hmm. and that is that is the first step is going. Okay, what do you got? And just being open to that, it is a uh, it is a critical critical piece, and I think it's the first step. Steve, you got thoughts? No, I mean, what was the thing that helped you? The thing that helped me? Yeah. <sighs> Wanting to be better. Yeah, so it starts with that's, you, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I tell people. One, yes, you can. Believe that you can. And if you don't believe that you can, like the doc said, find someone that is in it for you, not them, but for you, right? But that's yeah. the big thing right there, Chance. You said it right there. You, you knew you, you, you're in it for you. You want it, which means that you will open your mind for uh, objective listening, for someone to tell you something, for you to adhere to it and do it. And you have someone like Sean in your life. And, but that's, and, you know, not for all forms of depression, right? But it worked for you and it may not work for everybody. But those two things are a beginning state of find someone that is in it for you to help you and then believe that you can. Hundred uh, percent. We are in at an hour. I know we have just scratched the surface of this particular topic, and we could probably speak for days, days going into this. Um, there are some great comments here from uh, from a bunch of people, but I'm gonna save them for another time because uh, we're running a bit long. Any final thoughts? Anything last minute before we shut her down for the day, Gino? So, you know, I think one of the things that's important to understand is, is so decision-making abilities matter, right? And they matter in the sense of like, okay, with your brain and its physiology, that's the prefrontal cortex, right? Your higher level capacity of thinking, right? If the human brain averages 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day, right? Just depending on the person and their age and their circumstances, <clears throat> that is a massive caloric burn, right? As far as what is going on at any given time and what's being generated by this thing up here. If the prefrontal cortex is hindered because there's an issue with serotonin, if the amygdala is hindered, and that's where we process a lot of our emotions, you have those two things go down. There's no way at that moment in time, right, you are going to feel spry, right? So this is where truly making the harder choice to recognize and chance you nailed it on the head. You can feel it. You can feel that gradual slope, right? And now it's getting, oh, I'm starting, I'm starting to go off that left field. Nope, nope, that's not good. The moment you start to feel that, just know the longer you let it go, the more difficult it is going to be. So as soon as you start to feel it, make a change. Do something to switch the game, right? Whether it's talking to somebody, doing a physical activity, going for a walk, whatever, right? Do something as soon as you start to feel it. Because if you let it go all the way down and you let the gas can get empty, right? Filling that bad boy back up is a heck of a task, right? It is a very draining, draining task. It can be done, but it's that much more difficult to yeah. get ahead of it. 100%. Uh, Steve, final thoughts? No, I kind of said my final thought just a second ago. Yes, you can and find someone that will help you like Sean, right? Uh, yep. There are people out there that will help you do and, But believe in yourself, man. Believe in yourself because you'll find more people that believe in you. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Sean? Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to finish off with, as Dr. G just stated, um, when times are tough, you know, you've just got to get tough and move through it or move forward or step into it, lean into it, as the old saying goes. And I know that's easier said than done. I really do know that it's easier said than done, but that's what's required. And I don't know what depression means, whether I've got it or not. What I do know is that there's days that I don't want to do the things that I have to do. And the things that I have to do are like ride my bike because that makes me feel better. And some days I don't want to ride my bike because I'm freaking tired. But you know what I do? I do it because that's called discipline. And I was raised on discipline. I understand discipline. I understand that it requires discipline for me to face the times where I'm just freaking tired but I don't allow myself to sit back and relax. What I do do is I go do what I know I've got to do via discipline. It really helps me uh, when I feel like I can't face the world to some degree. I just freaking face it through discipline. Discipline is a, is a great thing and it is a, uh, it is a learned skill. 
and that I think a lot of people have never learned the skill or were never taught the skill. Uh, and it, so again, it's not impossible, just a slight little bit more challenging. And to Sean's point, when you you want to do something, and if you have something that you need to do in order to to keep yourself going, <clears throat> it becomes a non-negotiable. This is going to happen today. Abs- doesn't matter how large it is. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how whatever it is, uh, the degree in which it is done. It just needs to be done. So you need to get on your bike, Sean. And I imagine that just getting on your bike starts a process for you. I've already crushed out a ride today. I'm good to go, but I'll crush out another one today and I'll be even more good to go. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, (laughs) but that's the, the point is that for you, it's a built in there's a there's a process. You can get your stuff on, you go out to the garage, you get your bike, you bring it outside, close the door, and as soon as you're on that bike and riding, there is a shift in your mental maybe processing, I guess, into now I'm riding. Right? You're in like a ride mode. And you whether that lasts for five minutes or for two hours, you got a ride in today. And that's I think a point of the saying I've always said of grace, not slack. Right? It doesn't matter how difficult the task is. It just matters that the task is done. And you just keep doing tasks. And then you get a little check in the box, right? And there's your little wins. Those are your micro wins. Those, and you just tick, 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 getting those wins in all day long. The difficulty doesn't matter. Keeping them done, getting them done matters. And that goes back to our lip service conversation quite a bit ago. Uh, but I do, first, uh, uh, lastly, I want to say, thanks, guys. This has been an awesome conversation. We have, uh, again, scratched the surface, but I think there's a lot of really good tools for anybody struggling with depression out there, but especially men, because we talked a lot about men's depression. And so do understand, again, we're not doctors. Gino is. Gino is. <laughs> but uh, Nor are we women. So <laughs> nor are that. we women. So we went from our experience. I just wanted to make sure that that was uh, gotten across. But I, I do really appreciate the conversation. It's been fantastic. Um, as we learn how to manage depression, as we, learn, as we build our understanding of depression, we can then grow as men out of depression. And you can do that here with us every day on The Collective. See you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.